0: Log Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier coming to you from Jerusalem, Israel. Amen. Wish I were there. Been there several times and would love to go back again. I thought this would be a nice backdrop for us today. And there's a purpose for bringing this particular backdrop into view, and we're going to get into it here in just a moment. But first, I want to begin with some scripture on this Tuesday morning And uh, I want to go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bible out today, uh, we want to broadcast uh, this message from the scriptures, and I believe they're extremely important. It's a part of who we are in our DNA as Christians, not merely as men and women that are seeking information and knowledge about what's going on in the world today, which we do obviously need to know. But uh, this is kind of a guideline, and remember this, and and again, what the Apostle Paul is about to share in this passage um, is balanced to the other teachings. I mean, this is not a, you know, a condensing of this is his whole message. Obviously, Paul taught many things to the churches in his lifetime, but one of those wonderful messages given to us by the Holy Spirit is found in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and I want to begin right there finally brethren all right so I want you to put yourself in the position of receiving the word of God today finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Six things the Apostle Paul gave us to be thinking about. How many of you know that um, a large part of our world involves our thinking? I mean, as a man thinketh, so is he in his heart, and we live in a world that is saturated with everything but what is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Uh, We know there's a lot of bad report out there today. We know there's a lot of injustice out there today. There is a tremendous amount of deception. Things are not true. They're not honest, and um, there's just... Some pretty stuff tough stuff, and not everything is lovely and it 's important that we, in the midst of what we 're living through, adapt this into our lives, that we will have the ability to think about beautiful things, lovely things, uh, we will have the ability to think about what is true, what is honest, what is pure, what is a good report, you know what are these certain things that we could be thinking about and um Super important, and yeah. She said that she's seen on YouTube the message that was five days ago. She's It's clear. I don't understand. What is that? The YouTube that you're you're doing right now. She said I saw that on YouTube, and it was. Okay. Five days ago. All right. So if you if. What we need to, to let people know is that we are not broadcasting on YouTube at the New Wine Ministry TV. If you want to listen on YouTube, you need to go to Vincent Xavier. I'm sorry. Uh, for some reason, we were blocked on New Wine Ministry TV. We haven't been there for about a week or so. So you want to go to Vincent Xavier on YouTube. If you'd like to be listening or watching on YouTube, okay? And I'll put that out there in just a little bit. Good morning to uh, my my sisters out there, by the way, Charlotte Gotch and Cindy Messman and Brenda Torville and Melissa Fletcher, Pastor Melissa, going to be here in just a a little bit of time, just a few weeks down the road. So good morning to all of you. Once again, if you're wanting to view this broadcast on YouTube, the live broadcast, uh, you want to definitely get to Vincent Xavier on YouTube. And that should take you right in here. So uh, that's what we're talking about. So we just kind of launched into Philippians chapter eight, and we're looking at the uh, the admonition of the apostle Paul to the body of Christ. And I think it's so important to remember these things, these instructions, as we walk deeper into the moment that basically we've all been waiting for. YouTube shows Israel right now. Okay, that's the proper one. Good. All right. Thank you, Miriam. God bless you. So hopefully you're watching under the uh, uh, Vincent Xavier on YouTube. So again, we'll start this over again. Okay. For for everyone tuning into the broadcast right now, remember we are broadcasting live. If you want to just listen on blog talk radio, Omega radio. And then for viewing, we are on Facebook and we are on YouTube under Vincent Xavier and Philippians 4:8 is where we started out. For those of you, be patient with me. Um, again, we're, this is this is such a a jewel, quite frankly. This is something that you and I must gather into our hearts. Watch this. This is this is so powerful. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, so what is true, what is honest, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely. And what is good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And Paul goes on to say, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. I want to get to one other passage, uh, one other scripture here because this is uh, very complimentary to what we just said. And it's found just above, and let's go there real quick, in verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, the, the city that you see behind me, Jerusalem. You're seeing the Dome of the Rock, hopefully I'm out of the way enough, and you're seeing part of the city. Uh, When Pastor Ken Wagner and I were in Jerusalem, I used to walk on the top of the walls of the old city, you know, where the watchman would walk. It was so fun, get to the very top and walk around the city, and I absolutely love being in Israel. I loved being in Jerusalem. I personally felt very much at home, and I'll never forget as we were walking around uh, just doing our own thing in the city of Jerusalem. When the uh, that man that gets on the loud microphone several times a day and sings that Islamic eerie sound that Barack Obama called the most beautiful sound on earth, I've heard it. It's eerie. And what the 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 uh, children of Jerusalem did, these young teenagers, I'll never forget it. About fifteen of them got in a circle and they started dancing and singing over the sound of that eerie sound from the Islamic call I will tell you if you've ever been there it is the creepiest weirdest eeriest thing you'll ever hear in your life and they may think that's a beautiful thing and it's not you got to understand the tone and the vibration to that sound is just not good but what the children of Jerusalem were doing they were spinning in circles dancing and uh, worshiping Yahweh right and that sound was more rejoicing and beautiful and so again rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Paul was writing this message to Philippi from prison while he was in Caesar's palace, not in Las Vegas, by the way, but in Caesar's palace sincerely uh, when he was in jail, and he's talking about rejoicing. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, and he is at hand still at this moment, and then he said this, and this is where I think this is super important, these next two verses, He said, be careful for nothing. Here's a word of knowledge for somebody today. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, don't do anything lightly. Don't do anything without thinking. Don't just kind of on a whim. But Paul is very, very definite here. Be careful for nothing. In other words, just don't take anything for granted. Don't just whimsically move around. Do everything how, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So, Father God, I want to thank you for today. I'm going to ask you to guide my day. I want to put my hand in this plow. I'm going to go do this today, and I just thank you for your blessing. And if I'm not supposed to be there, then please guide me in another direction. I want to thank you and praise you, right? So give Papa The glory to his name. So praise him and and make this supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. So what do you request of the Lord? That is a third day reality, by the way. It's been around for 2000, all since the beginning of time. We could ask God for anything. But it was on the third day that uh, Queen Esther put on her royal garments and stood before the king. And he said, what is your request? Up to half the kingdom and it's yours. And the Lord is saying to you today, Make your request known unto him, okay? Make your request known unto God, and here's what will happen. When we are careful for nothing but pray about everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, give thanks to God. When we do that and we allow ourselves to make our request known unto God, the peace of God, in verse 7, Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which passes all understanding, That is a supernatural peace, okay? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's dig into that just a little bit today, okay? So, be careful for nothing. The word careful there simply means the merimana and what it is to be anxious, to be anxious about. So be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be carrying the burden of unnecessary care or taking thought for things that you really have no control over, all right? So be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and that word supplication is the diocese, and it literally is saying the uh, privation, the want, the entreaty to God, it's a petition. It also refers to a request. And so, again, let your supplication, your prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And that word request is the atema, and it means your petition, the thing that you require, asking, all right? So you could ask the Lord for anything, right? If we honor him and please him, it's going to do it. But here, let's get into the meat of this. Verse 7, when we do what it says to do, and with our request and prayer and supplication, be anxious for nothing, okay, don't take anything lightly, don't carry any burdens, the peace of God Now, this is God's peace. This is not the world's peace. This is the Irene, the peace, okay? And that word is referring to the prosperity of the soul, the quietness, and the rest. I love this part of the definition. It means to be set at one again. Do you know that worry, anxiety, anxiousness, fear separate us? from the presence of God. When we view the things that are going on in the world around us, men's hearts are going to melt for fear of what they see coming upon the earth because they're separated from God. A Christian could be separated from God by walking in unnecessary cares, worldly affairs, worldly concerns, um, you know, uh, a lack or something. But the right thing to do is to pray about it, supplicate towards it, have thanksgiving in your heart, okay, moving in that direction. And what it does, when we make our request known to God, we, we stop carrying the burdens, it brings us at one again with the presence of God, with the Spirit of God. So if you want to, if you're sensing that you're not one with the Lord, you feel that anxiousness, you feel somewhere in your belly a burden, something there that's just not uniting you with the Spirit of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, the rejoicing of God, the love of everything Paul was talking about from prison then the necessity to be set at one again with God's spirit and to come into a place of rest and to come into a place of quietness. And that is super important. Uh, There's a very difficult word that I have to share with some of my brothers out there. I just want to tell you, I believe I heard the Lord say, tell them to stand down. This is not yet the moment to stand up. Remember, go low, stand down, remain under, go under, Uh, persevere under the trial, okay? So don't rise up yet. It would be a premature uh, move, and the enemy would like to get some people to rise up and get above so that he can identify and take them out. And the word of the Lord to my brothers out there, and maybe some of our sisters, is stand down, when it comes to your contention with what's going on in the world right now, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on, no doubt, but I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, stand down, enter into that quietness, enter into that rest, be at one again with the Spirit of God who's in control of all things, all right, so don't worry, don't carry a worldly burden, that may be a hard word, and I know that there's a ramping up going on externally on the, on the surface uh, in the world of men, I know there's a rising up, there's a, there's a tension rising, but again, what you want as a son of the living God, like Jesus, you want to be at one with the Father, and you want to have quiet, and you want to have rest in your soul, and you want your mind and your heart to be kept by God. Listen to what it says here. <clears throat> so that definition, the Irene, the peace of God is beautiful, but continuing on, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So this quiet rest being set at one, this prosperity of the soul, okay? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I want you to know the reason why I have the city of Jerusalem on today is because God is talking about the violence that that city has had to deal with forever. It is re- literally in Scripture known as a city of violence. And you think about the Crusades. You think about all the different wars. You think about all the the the, the difficulties of the Babylonian invasion, the Assyrian invasion, the Roman invasion. You just—it's been a city of violence for such a very long time. And and it's a natural city, but this is Jerusalem. This is the place that God started and originated just about everything. Uh, this is His you know, there's something about it that he wants. And it's not just the brick and mortar, obviously. Uh, There's something there in the economy of God that's very important to God. And again, when I was there, it does carry a presence. I've been there three times, and it's the most beautiful city to me. There's some beautiful cities out there, like Italy, okay? We need Italy on the map. I love Italy, but Jerusalem, Israel. Now, here's the deal. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep shall keep, and that word there, keep, is the pharaoh, and it means to guard, watch, to guard, protect by a military guard, to prevent hostile invasion. So hostile invasion wants to come against your heart and your mind, but the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and protect by a military guard to prevent hostile invasion from entering into your heart and soul. It also means to be a watcher in advance, to mount guard as a sentinel, uh, post spies at the gate, uh, to hem in, it means to protect. And you know that we have to guard our heart for out of it for the issues of life. And so here we have again in verse 7. This is so important. It's why I'm spending the time going over it, going into the depths of it. I want to mine it. I want to pull out the gold in this Passage because it's important because of what's coming on the earth, okay? So the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard like a military garrison your hearts. And that word hearts there <clears throat> is the cardia. And that word actually means, and there's a lot to it actually, um, We it, it denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life, the heart. Um, It speaks of the soul or mind as it is the fountain, the heart is the fountain, and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. See, the heart is a pretty big deal, isn't it? And it's not just a muscle. It's not that, that muscle that pumps blood. We're talking about the heart as the seat the seat of the thoughts it's the it's the it's the bottom part there it also sp- speaks of the understanding the faculty it speaks of the faculty and seat of the intelligence all right so we need our intelligence guarded we need our affections guarded we need our appetites guarded our desires our passions guarded our thoughts guarded Okay, because the enemy would like to invade, bring an invasion to get us off center, right, off kilter. It also speaks of the will and character. So the heart of a person is also speaking of their character. And when the character is lined up with the spirit of God, it's a good character. When the character is separated and it's invaded by the powers of darkness, it becomes an ill character. So I like this part of the definition. It speaks of the soul So far as it is affected and stirred in a bad way or good, okay? And it talks about the sensibilities again, the emotions. It talks about being the middle or the central or inmost part of anything, the heart of the matter. All right, so what is this saying again? That God through his supernatural peace that will be given to those who are anxious for nothing but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make their request known unto God so that the peace of God, the prosperity of God, the set at one again of God, the quietness of God, the rest of God, okay, it will pass all understanding. It'll pass it. That means it's supernatural peace, which is beautiful, and it will also guard, this peace of God will guard. Protect your heart, all that we just talked about, and minds, and minds. Now, there's a couple of Greek words for minds, and it begins with the humone, and it means you. Your mind is who you are. It's your own self, okay? That's the first part of that definition. So the mind is who you are, but it also speaks of the noema, and that is the mental perception, okay? that which thinks, the thoughts or the purposes. So it gets basically, that word is the perception of you. In other words, it's how you perceive things to be. Now, how many of you know that deception could cause us to perceive things in a wrong way? However, that always comes, perceiving things wrongly, when we are out of balance with the Lord, when we are not at peace with God, when we are carrying burdens, when we are anxious, when we're allowing that stirring, that bubbling up of that passion, that emotion, and it's rising up and we're moving, but we're not praying, we're not supplicating, we're not requesting, okay? We're just not there. So the mind is how you and I, how we perceive things to be. When we are at peace with God, when the supernatural peace of God is guarding our heart and mind, we have an intelligent perception, a a valid perception, a perception of the way things really are. And there are so many mirrors and there's so much smoke and deception and lies and trickery and schemes and strategies of the devil all over the world right now that it would really require a supernatural peace to enjoin us to the spirit of God so that our hearts could be guarded and our minds would be filled with a proper perception. So it does boil down to your mind is how you perceive everything. Perception, perception, perception. It comes from a deeper word, by the way, the noyeo. Uh, and that word means <clears throat> to exercise the mind or to observe, to consider. So perception, to perceive a thing, requires a consideration and an observation of it. So we have to see things through the lens of Scripture, and we've been, we've been, you know, speaking that for years. That our job is to uh, look through the. Uh, the biblical lens, through the signs of the times, to bring an interpretation. So it's through the lens of Scripture that we view things to get a proper perception of what we're doing. So we have to observe. We have to ponder. And these are all that part of the definition there. We must consider so that we can, ha- we can view into things, we can peer into things, and come up with a perception, a perceiving of whatever it is, and understand it properly. So everything going on in the world, everything that we talk about, the things that we read, we have to understand the world through a biblical perspective, a biblical perspective. It's the safest place to be. And when we have these scriptures, like we're looking at right now, when we're looking at a scripture that tells us that we can have the supernatural peace of God, to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the way we want to walk through this moment in time. We do not want to walk through this moment of time in fear. And thank God that so many things that are going on in this world are hid from our hearts and minds. Because when they send out a video, of some violent act and and we view that video, that violence, it is having an impact on our mind. We are viewing the violence and how we respond to that violence is the key to everything. And if we're not having biblical responses, then we could be taken over, separated. Our heart goes into emotional overdrive And our passions, appetites, and all these things begin to drive us rather than we walking in peace with God because it is his supernatural peace. How do we get his supernatural peace again? Being anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making our requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall guard your heart and mind, so that you won't get off into things that we don't need to be getting off to. Now, does that mean that we ignore looking at end-time Bible prophecy? Absolutely not. That would be an imbalance of Scripture. What we must do when we see what end-time Bible prophecy is predicting and saying is we uh, we must address it okay with this perspective of walking in the peace of God because if we get out of peace we're going to make decisions that aren't right and the world is filled the devil has many snares to drive people go back to the Egyptian empire and it was all about slave masters driving them you know driving those slaves driving those slaves driving those slaves and and the enemy is a slave master he's a slave driver and he wants his whole world under his whip he's Believe me, people that worship Satan and Lucifer, they're under the whip, but he wants the whole world to be under the whip and to drive. So if you're ever feeling driven, like you're just being driven into all this anxiety, emotion, fear, trouble, doubt, you're just kind of being driven, slow down. Turn around and say to that slave master, you're not my master. Jesus Christ is my master, and he doesn't whip me. He doesn't drive me. He doesn't beat me in that manner. So whatever that is that's driving all this emotion, all this stuff, it's not from the Lord. What we know now is from the Lord is peace. So I can view what is going on in the world. I can understand it. I can look at it, observe it. I could have a pure perception of what's really going on. That's what I love about Bible prophecy. Because when we read the scriptures, I get awed by it. It's so wonderful because it makes me to understand what's really going on in the world. I understand the violence. The Bible says in the last days, nation would rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He's saying ethnos against ethnos, race against race. We understand that hatred is coming and violence is coming. And so I can't hide from that. I may view it, but I have to understand the view and then not let it drive me into fear or concern. I have to step back and say, thank you, Father God, for the hedge of protection that you put over my life and my family and my church and my friends and everybody I care and love. Thank you for your divine protection. Thank you for your guard over my life and over the life of our church and our family. And I thank you, Father God, that you can guard us better because if I have a gun and I have weapons and I'm still anxious and nervous and geared up, that's not the kind of protection we need from the spiritual battle that's raging against us. Is that to say that you shouldn't own a weapon or a tool? No, you have every right to do so. But if you have that weapon, but you're still anxious and you're still moved and your passions are being stirred up and affections, and, and it's because of the fear and the intensity that's going on, that could be dangerous and prove to be fatal uh, in, in some way. So the right thing to do is stay in peace. And by peace, you will know what to do. But that peace is God's protection over you so that you don't step out prematurely and do anything that would undermine the purpose of God for your life and your eternal salvation. We definitely need to be careful. It's just a moment. At the right time, God will move his hand the way he wants to move his hand. So just be careful. We love Bible prophecy. We step back. We understand what's going on in the world today. And there is a lot. There's so much. We can't even keep up with it any longer. We just can't keep up with it. And, you know, I'm just determining in my heart, I'm not going to go back into the vaccinations. There are thousands of people talking about it. You make your decision. I just need to prepare my heart, my family, my church, God's church that he's given us to serve, my friends and family. I need to live my life in preparing for what I already know. And I don't want to just get caught up in the mantra of conversation About things that we already know. However, to balance that thought out, the Apostle Paul and Peter made it very clear, we must continue to speak to you over and over and over until you're awakened to the reality of what's really happening in this world. So we keep talking about end-time Bible prophecy because it's real. It's very real. And as a matter of fact, I want to get into just a little bit of it right now. And I would like to go to Ezekiel chapter 7. Ezekiel chapter 7. And in this chapter, as I read it, the city that you see behind me, Jerusalem, has known violence from the very beginning. It has literally been named a city of violence. And that is in the physical, if you'll just hear me out here for just a moment more. That is a physical city that has known physical violence. But you know that violent men take the kingdom by force is a spiritual truth. And there is a spiritual battle going on for the soul of every human being on this earth. And just because we are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed by God, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, does not mean that we don't have any warfare. In fact, it means that we, listen, who have become born again, are the city of God. We are the new Jerusalem. We are spiritual stones built into a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. We are the habitation of God. We are the dwelling place of God. And what will the name of the city be? God is there. God is there. We are the city. So in the spirit realm, the warfare, the violence, That the enemy is going to release and already has to some degree released violence through demonic warfare against our soul, against our mind, against our hearts, what we just were talking about. There is a massive level of violence being released by the demonic against the city of God. Not the Jerusalem you see behind me, but the Jerusalem that is before me, those that I am looking at. All over the world, whoever believes and has become a spiritual stone in that spiritual city, okay? You are the city of Jerusalem. You are the city of God in the spirit. And the violence against you is the spiritual warfare. And how does it work? Well, by manifestations of physical events, spiritual demonic forces work through those to strike fear in the heart of people or the devil labors in the realm of so many different tactics, so many different tactics. But there is a very real satanic level of violence being released. So as I read through Ezekiel chapter seven, I want to take the spiritual reality and, and and the New Testament is very clear that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, But against principalities, powers, and all of that, we know what Ephesians 6 says, and there's so much more, that our warfare is not according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. We know these things are true. So, Ezekiel 7, 1. Here's just one of the events that happened to Jerusalem. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Also, thou son of man, thus saith the Lord God unto the land of Israel. An end, the end, is come upon the four corners of the land. That means the entirety of the land was coming to an end. It's coming to an end. Verse 3, now is the end come upon you, and I will send my anger upon you and will judge you according to your ways and will recompense upon you all your abominations. Now listen, the natural city of Jerusalem, or the land of Israel, God was sending his anger. It was physical, but it was God's spirit, so he sends his anger, which was the Babylonians at that time. That's God's anger was going to be released through the Babylonians in the book of Ezekiel. In the spirit realm, there is much that we call Christianity, There's a tremendous amount of activity. There are people all over the world. And yet, there's there's much that God is going to judge because judgment begins in the house of God. So much is ready in the Christendom that has been somewhat organized and constructed mainly by the workmanship of man's hands. Uh, You could build a lot of things in the name of God, but it it doesn't measure to what he's after. Remember this, please. Every true spiritual minister of God that is a builder in the house of God or in the city of God will build the people up into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that, okay? A minister of God does not, you know, build a church on a corner and say, I've done the Lord's work. No, the minister of God builds up the church in the people. The people are the spiritual stones. They are the material. And the idea of the five-fold ministry is to apprehend a life and work in that life and let the glory of God and the Spirit of God work in that life to measure it to the standard and the stature and then set it the way God wants it to be set. That's true ministry. Everything else besides that, is secondary at best much of it doesn't even matter quite frankly um and and i hate to sound critical or mean but let's be very clear about what this new testament is all about the new testament is all about god's building god's church his ecclesia his people His called out once and it's very clear that god has set a ministry to the believers, to the called out ones, to work in their lives, to raise them up, to make them to become like Jesus. Now, we don't do that. The Spirit working through that ministry does it, whether it's apostolic anointing, prophetic anointing, pastoral anointing, teaching anointing, evangelistic anointing. These are gifts. These are special anointings, just like when people were building the tabernacle of Moses or the tabernacle of david or the house that solomon built there were always those men and women that the anointing would come on so that they would have a special skill to build that house well there's a special anointing in the fivefold ministry of the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher that is helpful to the growth and the building up of the body of christ and so it's just a gift of god that workman in the days of solomon's temple He may have been a skilled carpenter, but when the anointing came, that anointing took that skill and brought it to the exact measure that God wanted. There was an exact pattern of that temple, and the exact pattern of the end-time temple of God is Christ, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. He is the pattern son. He is the exact pattern of what your life and my life are to be built into and to become. So it would require anointed builders to cause that to come to pass. I could be a skilled orator. I could be a motivational speaker. I could be something of a very organized person that could run a business and be a president and a CEO and manage and micromanage and, and have skill and make it But that is nothing in comparison to the anointed builder that is able to bring a person's life, their soul, their heart their mind, their spirit in their character into Christ and to measure them to Christ, not less than Christ, measure them to Christ. Now that is the work of God. Everything else in Christendom, television ministries, big churches, uh, all the stuff that you can imagine, which I'm not saying is bad in and of itself, but if it doesn't produce what God is looking for in the building up of his house is useless and so what's going to happen, an end is coming. An end to everything that we know as Christianity, organization, structure, outward form, you know, it looks good, it's, it's wonderful, it's, it's, a, it's an effective machine. But if it's not producing Christ-likeness in the life of the believers, then it's falling short of the purpose and it's going to come to an end. It's going to fail to produce what God is after. And you, and you don't have to look far in Scripture to know what God is after. God is looking for a habitation. He's looking for a temple, a building, something that he will indwell forever. He sent the Holy Spirit to operate through the, the ministry to bring a people into that habitation. You see, to me, that is the will of God. That is the most incredible reality of God. God wants his dwelling place. God wants his habitation. God wants to fill this earth once again with the image of himself. He created man in his image and likeness. He wants that image and likeness restored in the earth. So whatever is not being measured to Christ or growing up into Christ's likeness is no longer useful to the master. So what he's going to allow in these last days is what we're reading in Ezekiel chapter 7. He's going to bring an end to all the unfruitful structures connected to what we call Christianity today. And that's going to come through persecution and tribulation. And the great tribulation is not against the world as much as it is against everything called God. And so the pressure that God's going to allow to come against everything called the church, all that pressure is going to destroy what is not really of him. And people who are not really of him that have gone to church their whole life, this pressure is going to squeeze that into reality. It is the wheat and the tares growing together. See, God is going to use this time to separate what's real from what is not real. And you know and I know that the wheat and the chaff, they look exactly alike until you get to that place. And what happens, the the wheat bows in the harvest and the chaff stands up. And that's why I believe the Spirit of the Lord said, stand down, go low. Don't allow your heart and mind to be driven by the energy of the world right now. Just wait. You're not done yet. You're not ready yet. You have a spiritual experience that you have to grow up into. We all do. Every one of us who named the name of Jesus Christ were to depart from iniquity and to become pure and holy vessels, meet for the master's use. Come on. That's the Word of God. And without that What is God going to use to do his work in the earth? I mean, nervous people, anxious people, people filled with tension and anxiety. No, he needs people like his firstborn son, Jesus, who walked through this earth in pure peace, and he did more things through greater power than the entire Roman world could have done. One man did more for this world than the entire Roman Empire. So God is looking for many sons and daughters to walk with him in this season. Now, I am believing, and I want to say it again, the great tribulation, the time of persecution, you cannot escape it in the sense of if you are not real, if your life has not measured and you're not moving in the direction of being measured to the fullness and likeness of Christ, then your whole thing is out of whack. It's not real. It's not something that God is looking for. So the pressure is going to bring to reality what is really of God and what is really not of God. Now, thank God I'm not God. God knows those who go to church. God knows everybody in the world. We're going to leave all that final sentencing to God. We do not ever sentence anybody to a a condemnation we judge what is right and wrong we should all be judging what is right and wrong the spiritual man judges all things but we do not sentence anybody that is left to god the almighty our father in heaven the lord jesus christ he will do the sentencing we will judge and say no that's not right that's right we absolutely better judge in that manner but not to sentence or condemn anybody or anything so whatever this tribulation you know all the people dying around the world today, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people dying every single day. Wherever they're going, that's between them and God. Hopefully they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. They were born again. They were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They lived a life that it was not eradicated, and they're going to wake up in the resurrection. The other people that we don't know about that are from uh, you know, under, under, somewhere in communist China, Russia, Siberia, whatever, never heard the gospel. We'll leave all that to God. I'm not worried about that. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned, righteously concerned, with the level of instruction to those who are alive and remaining right now to inform them that we're getting ready prophetically to go into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. But don't be afraid of it. If you're real, you're going to be made pressure-proof. You're going to be put into the wilderness. You're going to be preserved by God because of what you have become, not just because you go to church. The church in Philadelphia was promised to be spared because of what they had become in Christ, in nature, in character, not because they went to church. Okay? So there will be a separation, and that's what judgment is all about. That's what the Great Tribulation is all about. And the coming persecution upon the martyrs who are going to lay their lives down for the cause of Christ, they're not fretting it, believe me. They're willing to lay their lives down. They want the martyr's crown. They want to die for Jesus. They would love to die for Jesus. There's nothing else in this world they'd love love to do. So that's that's an anointing. That's a gifting in my understanding of things. When tough times come, we have to endure them. There's nothing more to say. There's nothing more. We have to endure without sinning. We have to endure without sinning. We have to endure insult. We have to endure um, railing accusation. We have to endure being rejected. We have to endure uh, being disrespected, dishonored, uh, not, not understood. Uh, we have to endure um, a neighbor's anger. We have to endure a friend's betrayal. We have to endure everything. You see, and all the little things that we've had to go through up to this point were allowed by God to get us trained up and how we're going to respond when the big stuff comes. And quite frankly, I think that we haven't done a very good job altogether. Now, I'm not judging you in that area. I don't really know you, but when I observe my own conduct at times, when I'm being faced with certain things, I have responded wrongly too many times, and then I've had to go back to my knees, I've had to go back to my prayer closet, I've got to go back in, God, forgive me again, I didn't respond properly, I didn't do it right again, and I believe that God is testing us, and he's going to keep on testing those who are willing to go on to admit and, and say, keep going, until we have a proper response, and I believe that when we have a proper response that's rooted in the nature and character of Christ, then We're going to be useful to the Lord as we walk through the end time Great Tribulation, and not until, not until. And if we don't get it right, if we don't get through these things that we have to face and endure, uh, we are vulnerable. We are very vulnerable to become a part of the majority of believers that are going into the Great Tribulation who are going to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb Uh, So that means there's going to be some intense persecution like we don't ever want to know. But there will be a saving grace because we won't deny Jesus Christ. But, folks, I'd rather go into the wilderness. I'd rather be one of the 144,000. I'd rather be going into the Church of Philadelphia, divine protection realm. I I don't want to experience what people have experienced for their faith in Christ. I can go back to the Inquisition when they were stretching their body out of joint. Uh, We don't even want to remember what was happening to brothers and sisters in the Roman Colosseums and what they have had to experience and go through and the violence and all the horrible things that people have had to endure. And we say, well, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to see my, my children persecuted before me, my spouse persecuted before me. I don't want to see these things. I don't want to experience this level of masochism that the Nazis did to the Jewish people. I don't want it to happen. Well, we've got to get going with our growth in Christ. Now, an end is coming. And it's not an end to the righteous remnant. Those remaining ones who are going on in the eternal purpose of God keep going. It's an end of everything called Christianity that is not measuring. It's the lukewarm gospel. It's the watered-down gospel. It's the crossless gospel. It is the gospel that is feel good. Give me money. It is the gospel that teaches us that grace allows us to be ungodly rather than what it really says. Grace teaches us that we should be godly in this present life. So there's something wrong with the doctrine that produces something that no longer represents the purpose of God that God's about to wipe out. And it's been a fascinating thing to see if you've ever known the true gospel And the price that was paid to save our souls and the call to pick up our cross and die to self and put to death the deeds of the flesh and put off the old man, put on the new man, another gift of God, a work of the Holy Spirit. So we never say, I did it with my hands. But there's a tremendous amount of energy and finance and busyness that's gone into something that no longer represents God. That's what Jerusalem was doing. That's what Israel was doing. They had the temple, they had the Torah, they had the priest, they had the look, they had it all, but it no longer represented the mind of God because the people's hearts were far from the Lord, and he had destroyed that land of Israel, and I believe the United States of America will be destroyed as well physically, but the greater warfare, the violence, the end is to everything we call Christianity. And either the people in the mega churches or even the small churches, whoever capitulates to the enemy, they may be uh, governed by the government, and they will only say what the government allows them to say, and they will only portray what the government wants them to portray for the idea of sucking people into it. But again, it no longer represents the mind of God of bringing the church to the highest heights of holiness. It is something totally other than that. So that is going to be destroyed. It says in verse 3 again of Ezekiel chapter 7, now is the end come upon you. I will send my anger upon you. I believe the Lord is foretelling us again. He's going to send his anger upon this nation and upon the church within this nation, the Laodicean church age, and will judge you according to your ways and will recompense upon you all your abominations. Wow. I would think that the whole church, beginning with the man behind the pulpit and everybody hearing right now, would be humbled and we would fear the word of the Lord. We would have a healthy fear of God and fall to our knees and say, Lord God Almighty, whatever is going on in my life that does not represent your purpose and your cause, I repent. I turn away. I want to know what it is. Verse 4. God said, my eye shall not spare you. And I neither will i have pity so i'm spending my anger my eye shall not spare you neither will i have pity but i will recompense your ways upon you in other words as you have done america i'm doing to you and that false representation of jesus christ massive energy, great stuff, but no longer is moving to God's purpose, which is to bring the ecclesia up into the fullness of Christ. I'm I'm going to recompense your ways upon you, and your abominations shall be in the midst of you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. All the abominable things in America, in the church in America, that no longer represents the mind of God, it's all going to come to center. That means in us too. If there is anything that is insincere, unholy, unrighteous, ungodly, and we're not working it out and we're not dealing with it, we're just walking in it, allowing it because we like it, it's going to come abroad. It's going to be seen. The skirt is about to be lifted off this nation, which it already has begun, but nobody's paying attention, and it's going to be lifted over the church. It already was in 2020, but very few are paying attention. Now, verse 5. By the way, those are sincerely tough words, aren't they? And I want you to know that God has not changed. He's not the New Testament God that's had an anger management class, and he's no longer the Old Testament God. The same God that had no pity, the same God that showed no compassion, the same God who let his anger come through a foreign nation, the same God that judged his country, his people, his nation, Israel, is the same God we are dealing with today. And in verse 5, he says this, Thus saith the Lord God, an evil and only evil behold is come an evil and only evil behold is come mark it on your calendar what was said today mark it only evil an evil is come mark it down on your calendar Verse 6, an end is come. The end is come. It watches for you. Behold, it is come. Powerful words. The prophet Ezekiel spoke these words by the Spirit of the Lord. And he declared what was coming upon Israel. Verse 7, the morning is come unto you. Now, the dawning of this time of judgment is come. The morning is come unto you. O thou that dwellest in the land, the time is come. The day of trouble is near and not the sounding again of the mountains. In other words, you're entering into a new phase of trouble. And God is declaring that that is going to bring forth an end. An end. There's an evil coming to bring an end. It's all coming to an end. And if you read your Bible, you know in Revelation 18, Jeremiah 50, 51, and in many other places, God has brought economies to a grinding halt. God has caught, uh, call it, call it, brought systems of whatever they are to, to end. He's brought them to an end, a failure, a stopping. It's over. Brought governments to an end. He's brought nations to an end. And he's saying that the time is come and evil is coming. There's a lights out. It's coming. Then he said in verse 8, now will i shortly pour out my fury upon you you see that's what we know see we're not hiding from biblical reality even though it's an old testament prophecy it has the same exact meaning and much more so to the judeo-christian nation of america and the nations around the world these prophets ought to be speaking all over the world right now isaiah ezekiel jeremiah all of them would to god all the biblical prophets would come into the natural world and speak their message because it would be a profound word of truth. Now, I will shortly pour out my fury upon you. He's warning his own people, the land of Israel. He's warning America today. And the church that no longer represents his mind, I'm I'm pouring my fury out upon you. And accomplish, I will accomplish my anger upon you. And I will judge you according to your ways and will recompense you for all your abominations. You know, we've talked about the abomination of homosexuality and the shedding of innocent blood. But there are other things that are just as abominable to God. There are things that are abominable that have happened in the church. I mean, we could talk about the Catholic Church and the the, uh, pedophilia that went on with that for years. We could go on into all the different negative. There are abominations that go on in the church. I'll leave it there for right now. Verse uh, verse 9. Verse 9. He repeats himself. My eyes shall not spare. Neither will I have pity. That's twice he said that. I will recompense you according to your ways and your abominations that are in the midst of you and you shall know that I am the Lord that smiteth. Understand something. Holy, righteous remnant of God. True believers that are following the Lord into divine destiny of character and nature, becoming like him. Understand what's, what's happening on this earth. It's not coming from the left. It's not coming from China. It's not coming from Russia. It's not coming from all of these sources. They are merely tools in the hands of a holy God. And God will allow them to think that they are doing it. And as the devil deceives, so God deceives those. Listen, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says, they that deceive are deceived. So in other words, everything going on in the world right now, with all the scheme, trickery, satanic energy, God is allowing it to fulfill his purpose. God literally, and I've got to show you this. I I, I just need to read this. I, I say it all the time, but in Revelation chapter 17, understand how God does this. In Revelation 17, in verse 16, okay, verse 16. It's a little bit out of context what we're talking about, but there's a point. And the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Wow, that's the beast, right? For God hath put in their hearts, God, New Testament, has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. My point? What you you have to stand back now. Stand way back here. It's not the Muslims, the Arabs, Ishmaelites, and all the things connected to the Sunni, the Shia. It's not China. It's not Russia. It's not the left. It's not the Satan worshipers, the Luciferians, not the Masons, the Freemasons. It's not them that's bringing the judgment. They are the tool. God put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. They think, like in Isaiah chapter 10, the Assyrian says in his heart, look what I have done. And God says, I just used you, and now I'm going to judge you too. I just used you, now I'm going to judge you too. I'm getting a clapping ovation. I don't know what's going on, but praise the Lord. All right. So God is just allowing all this stuff to happen. So when we stand back, understand who's behind it, we don't get afraid of it. We're not, we're not brought into it. We get it. And if we're walking with God, it's not against us. Now, God will allow the enemy to come against that which is not measured to the stature, but I guarantee you, those that are measured up, they could care less. They're not afraid of death, like Paul said in Philippians. I want to know what it's like to live for you and get in all kinds of trouble and not be afraid of dying for it. It's, a, it's an attitude of the heart among the righteous. Now, it's the Lord that smites. I, want you to, I want you, just wanted you to see that. Now, back to Ezekiel 7.10. Behold the day. Behold, it is come. The morning is gone forth. In other words, the dawning of this this time of judgment is come. The morning is gone forth. The rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. You know, very interesting as as we're looking at two objects of God's wrath. Number one, the entirety of the world system controlled by the beast, right? Man's rebellion. It's going to get hit. Then, the thing we call the church, which is organizational structure, uh, huge energy that is put into it, but it no longer represents what God's intention is. Okay? Um, God desires the salvation of souls in truth. And the salvation of a soul is not just going to heaven. However, there is a a, a reality to that. It's beautiful. Remember, When the church and all of its structure and all of its business and all of its stuff isn't bringing the people up to the fullness, it's coming under judgment. And we're going to leave that to God as well. Now, verse 11. This is where we're kind of wanted to go here today. Violence is risen up into a rod of wickedness. Violence is risen up into a rod of wickedness. So the violence that is coming is in the rod. And remember what God said in Isaiah 10. Let me just read it to you real quick. Just for those of you that don't know this part of the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 10. And I'll just read it briefly because it's so important to understand. It's it is that's what we're seeking. We are seeking to understand God and how things are working, right? So in Isaiah chapter ten, I'm just going to read in verse one, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees and that write grievousness which they have prescribed. Washington D.C. has done that in mass, and all have that have written into law things that offend God. Woe unto you! Right. All right. And then it talks about in uh, verse four, where without me they shall bow down under the prisoners, they shall fall under the slain. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Listen carefully to verse 5, Isaiah 10, 5. O Assyrian, the rod of my anger. Now, what did we just read in Ezekiel 7, 10? Or verse 11, 7, 11. Violence is risen up into a rod of wickedness. Now, what is that rod? O Assyrian, the rod of my anger, and the staff in their hand, so the Assyrian has a staff, a weapon, in their hand is my indignation. So again, God was going to work through the Assyrian. They were the rod of his anger. They carried a weapon, and it was God's indignation against who? Against his own people. Going back to verse 11, violence is risen up into Iran. That means God is getting ready to send an enemy of wickedness none of them shall remain uh-oh those to whom it's appointed not they're not going to remain nor of their multitude nor of any of theirs neither shall there be wailing for them something's going to wipe out a lot of people that's what's coming let's put it in simple tones something of god's anger and indignation Is going to be handled by a slayer. Remember, we we read that last week. He puts his sword into the hand of a slayer, which was the king of Babylon. So he's saying, in verse 12, the time has come. Let's go on to the next verse. The time has come. The day draws near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is upon all the multitude thereof except the righteous remnant. The wrath of God was not on his righteous remnant. It was upon the thing Israel was boasting. We had the temple. We have the Torah. We have the priesthood. We have the king. We have all of that. But it was no longer producing the fruit that God was after. But the righteous remnant continued to produce, and they were spared. They were spared. Now, verse 13. Listen. Google, Facebook, United Nations, global elite. God's about to look at you. But he's also going to use evil to judge his people first. That's biblical. I can find it. I can show you. Revelation 16. How after the tribulation, God pours out his wrath upon the beast and the system and the kingdom and Babylon and all of it is destroyed. So God's going to allow these tools of evil to serve his purpose, okay, even in judging Christianity today and Israel today that has rejected the good news. Now watch this. Verse 12, the time has come, the day draws near, let not the buyer rejoice. Okay, verse 13, for the seller shall not return to that which is sold, although they were yet alive. For the vision is touching the whole multitude thereof, which shall not return, neither shall any strengthen himself in the iniquity of his life. Okay, so this is upon all. And remember what it said earlier, only if Job, Daniel, and... Man. Job, Daniel, and Noah. If these three were in the land, he said they would only save themselves by their righteousness. That's keep that in mind. It's by the righteousness that you have received through Jesus Christ. That's where that really is. If it's the true righteousness of God that brings us into God's eternal purpose, you have hope here. Okay? The rest of the land, no hope. Zero. All the production, zero. Now. Verse 14, they have blown the trumpet. We've blown the trumpet for a long time, and you've been hearing the trumpet. Even to make all ready, but none goes to the battle. For my wrath is upon all the multitudes. You know why people are not responding to the trumpet blast and the warning that is going out, faithfully going out, day after day, all over the world, warning, 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 trumpet, trumpet, trumpet. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And no one's going out, especially the lukewarm church, is because God's wrath is on it. They can't. I will cast you into a sickbed, and you will not be able to respond. Okay? That's in Revelation. So the church, the thing that is counterfeit really to the purposes of God and no longer producing what God is after, they cannot respond to the true message of God because God's wrath is on it. You hear it? It's there. It's in the word. God forbid that's on our lives. We better search our soul deep. These are real times. This is a real proclamation. Verse 15. The sword is without the pestilence and the famine within. The sword is without the pestilence and the famine within. He that is in the field shall die with the sword, and he that is in the city famine and pestilence shall devour him. Now we're getting into the the, the real nitty-gritty here. Verse 16. It says, but they that escape of them shall escape. So watch this. Those that escaped, okay? They shall be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning everyone for his iniquity. So those that are spared, those that, those that escape the judgment, they're mourning like the, the the doves of the valley for his iniquity, all hands. So they're not in a good place, in other words. We're not talking about the righteous remnant here. Even those that escape that are going to find themselves in a position of inward turmoil That's that's horrible, but... All hands, verse 17, shall be feeble, and all knees shall be weak as water. Now, Israel, you Jewish people, Israeli people, you cannot cannot ignore this scripture. This happened to your city. This happened to your land in the natural world. And you know that your history is connected to this. So don't get upset about it. Just accept the fact that they get born again, come into Jesus. Let the Spirit take you into wonderful places and become real but everything that's not you know and I know God is calling for an end of it he's calling for an end now all hands shall be feeble all these shall be weak as water they shall also gird themselves with sackcloth and horror shall cover them so their escape did not produce the beautiful place where God's going to be nourishing his people for three and a half years. It says horror shall cover them and shame shall be upon all faces and baldness upon all their heads. It reminds me of the preppers. They're going to basically be in the caves and the underground bunkers. They're going to escape the, the total wrath, but horror is going to hit them. Shame is going to fill them because they're going to be naked to their true reality, their inward condition before a holy God. So that's not really an escape. Then he says, in verse 19, they shall cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. So all of that was to say to the people that don't get killed in this judgment, whose hearts were still not right with the Lord, Their gold's not going to save them. Their silver's not going to save them. They're going to have horror and shame. They're not going to be satisfied because the wrath of the Lord is on their lives. That's not a salvation. I don't want to be a survivor of the Holocaust and then suffer in some place. It's not God-ordained. I don't want to be separate from the presence of God. Do you? Now, let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a quick question. We started this broadcast by reading in Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honest, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We started with be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God shall, shall keep or guard or garrison or watch your heart, your mind. The peace of God, which passes understanding, the supernatural peace of God will be on you. Now we shifted it to read the reality of what's coming. Should we not have read this so that we could just be in Philippians 4? Or do we read Philippians 4, receive the weight of it, let it take root in us, and then when we see what's coming, which is truth and reality, we respond to it with peace. That's the key. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. You have to know when your spirit is being stirred up drummed up agitated fearful something happened you have you have to know and you have to know at that moment you're outside you're separated from what god has for you so the word peace meant the arena to be set at one again so rather than continuing in the realm of mass hysteria panic intensity stirring up come back into peace with god Even when you know these things are real, rest with him. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Pick up your cross. Do what is right. Serve the Lord. Honor the king. Love your brethren. Serve the body of Christ. And God will take care of the rest. His supernatural peace. You you won't have the horror. You won't have the shame. You're going to be in some place in the joy of the Lord being taken care of during the great tribulation if we do it the right way. I'm going to take a little brief time out here. I'm going to take a time out. Where are we? It looks like we're in, a, in an, an unusual place in the spirit here. All right, so again, I want to say good morning to our dear friends, uh, Charlotte Gotch, Cindy Messman, Brenda Torville, Pastor Melissa Fletcher, Sandra Matlow, Laquita Sizemore. Um, God bless you, sisters. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Laquita said, God has had me meditating on Philippians 4 and 2 Peter 4, 1, 4 to 11, along with 1 Corinthians 13. These scriptures are so powerful, just everything and confirmation. Amen for that. Way to go. Stay in the word of God. Pastor Kevin Honeycutt. Stand down? Yes. Amen, Pastor Kevin. Hey, let's talk after this broadcast, okay? I'll give you a shout. Uh, Stefania Savina. Do you can speak a little slow? I am Italian and want to understand all the word of God. Hey, Stefania Savino. I just got your message now. I will slow it down. Stefania, my cousin, my third cousin, um, Nicola Bichelia, Nicola Bichelia, lives in Bitanto, Italy, and we've been to Bitanto, Italy, and I talked with uh, my third cousin. I met him the last time we were there, and so maybe one day we'll be back in Italy, and God bless you, Stefania. Uh, Okay, and I just got the message late, but thanks for tuning in all the way from Italy. That's really cool. That's the real deal. Carol Page, good morning. Thankful for today. God is good. Pastor V, I'm watching YouTube and Facebook, two different messages. Life is good. Sorry, I don't know what's happening. YouTube kicked me off out of the New Wine Ministry TV part or didn't give me permission to go on. So I'm on Vincent Xavier on YouTube. It, the way to listen on YouTube is Vincent Xavier. Joyce, you're going to be in the Great Tribulation? Well, not on the inside of it, I hope, unless I need to be. Uh, well, I'm not sure what that question meant. Me personally or Christians or Christians will be in the very center of it. Believers will be in the, in the, in it, in Revelation chapter seven, getting their robes washed because while they were waiting for it, they didn't get cleaned up before the Lord. Uh, I'm living my life to the best I know how to not be in that and working some things out, praise God. So we could talk more about that as well. Uh, The Christian, yeah, Christians will definitely. The whole tribulation is about, is against Christians. Everything called Christian is what's going to be attacked in the tribulation. And then Revelation chapter seven, the untold multitude of believers are in the great tribulation and they're washing their robes in the blood of the Lamb because they come out of great tribulation having washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. So that means they were in it. Absolutely. It's all against everything lukewarm and all the chaff and everything that doesn't belong, all the dross, it's all got to get purged. And God's going to use the great tribulation to do that. So I think we're down to our last moment here. And I have not much more to say. I pray that this message was a blessing to you, a blessing to you. No, the second three and a half years. Listen, the only thing I know about the great tribulation is there's three and a half years. Everything else preceding that is the beginning of sorrows. Um, And too many people, in my opinion, have tried to formulate a seven-year tribulation period. Uh, I think that they're just mixing God's word with an idea out of Daniel, one verse, one verse, and they're putting it together in a certain way. The reality is beginning of sorrows, which has already begun all over the world, It will lead to the three-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation spoken of in Scripture very clearly. And uh, that three-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation, there will be the saints of God in that Great Tribulation uh, that are washing their robes. In other words, they're going to be saved, literally, as they journey through it. It's in your Bible. We'll look through it again. Maybe a great Bible study we can have. Um, With that being said... I think we're good. Got lots of our friends on Blog Talk Radio. Nice to see everybody out there. Uh, You're welcome, Joyce. Great questions. You ask the best questions. Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I would have gathered you together as a hen does her chicks and brought you into my arms. But you would not. So much in the world today I could hear the Father's heart saying, oh, America, America, how I would have gathered you together. I would have stood right in the midst of you, but you would not. I'll see you tomorrow. By the way, right now, Omega Radio, 24 hours a day. If you known anybody that has a problem with a controlling spirit, Well, maybe ourselves, right? Uh, If you want to learn, there's a roundtable discussion happening right now at Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just go to Omega Radio, and you will be able to listen to a roundtable discussion. They're dealing with controlling spirits. Wow, they're all over the world. might learn something. You want to get there right now. Remember, you can support this radio ministry by going to omegaradio.org or nwmglobal.org, and or you could send a gift by mail to P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. If you need any help and you missed that address, just let me know and I'll be happy to share it with you. You can give me a shout, email, text, whatever. And remember, September 20th, September 20th, the Great Feast of Tabernacles 2021. We're hosting it right here in Northwest Arkansas. I know it's going to be fabulous because it's the Lord's Feast. I hope you're making plans to join us. Get ready. Seven complete full days of celebrating, worshiping, learning, impartation, strategy, everything Father God has for us. That's going to be happening September 20th. There's hotels all over Northwest Arkansas. Get your hotel now because they're filling up quick, truly, because there's another event going on So, or if you're going to stay in a special place, it's going to be a great time. Looking forward to seeing everybody for the Feast of Tabernacles. Thank you for your support financially. And right now, Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance The Christian Bill of Rights.